This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. We say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there today. Amen. We do honor you. Something about moms, especially for a son. All the guys know what I'm talking about. There is something about that relationship. I don't know how you were growing up, but most people could talk about my skills or lack thereof. But if you talked about my mama, we had a problem. Uh, And so we want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, those in-house and those watching online. I want to give honor to my mother. Uh, If you're watching, Mom, I love you. And I also want to give honor to my wife. I am so thankful uh, for her and her grace to uh, help me raise our children. And so she's probably out there working on something, but I love you, baby. Uh, How many of you are excited to be in God's house today? Amen. To do um, on Wednesday night this past uh, week, we just had an incredible time in, in God's presence, and um, God is doing something really, really unique. Uh, before I get too far. Uh, into this, I I do want to mention that one of our own has written a book. Yvonne Jones has written a book on the kingdom of God. Uh, And it it is a lot of scriptures based on the kingdom. Uh, And we're very, very proud of Yvonne. I don't know if she's in this service or not, Uh, but we do want to honor her. And you can go get this book on Amazon. But how many think it's pretty cool that one of our own has written a book? Amen. Isn't that pretty awesome? So we honor her. Her and her daughter, Shayla, actually wrote the book together, and so we want to honor them today. Uh, We are closing out the series on Twisted, and in this series, we've learned the difference between sin and iniquity, sin being the what, iniquity being the why. And we've really kind of honed in on that area for three weeks consecutively, trying to get an understanding of that thing that uh, exists just beneath the surface. We've also talked about mixture. Uh, When it comes to mixture, if I have a mixture of things coming into my life, I'm also going to have a mixture of things coming out of my life. And so all of this is really important. I believe that it's it's kind of gotten to that place, um, so to say, it's come to a head. And I believe that God wants to do something in this service today um, because many of you have been thinking about over the last three weeks that thing that you've struggled with, and maybe it wasn't even something uh, that you caused, maybe it's something that someone else caused, but for whatever reason, it's been a consistent struggle in your life. It's a cyclical weakness that exists underneath the surface that revisits you, usually at the time that God is about to promote you, bless you, open a door for you. And I I don't want to end with us just knowing that we all have a shortcoming. I think most of us know that. But I I just want to declare right now over the house, today is Victory Sunday. (laughs) You have what you say. And so we have to begin declaring. And I want to call the message today, and I'll just see how far the Holy Spirit allows me to go. I want to call it healing in my soul. 
healing in my soul. Again, mixture comes out when mixture goes in. We've learned many times how to compartmentalize our faith, that somehow we have this ability to draw a line around this experience, um, but we don't allow this experience to permeate the rest of our life. A lot of people love, love God, come to church, but they, they've got a line around this worship experience and what they experience on a Sunday, and they don't allow the presence of God and the word of God, they don't apply it to their money, to their relationships, to their place of employment. But how many know if we really want to see a revival, it's got to get past the Sunday morning, 90 minutes, or the first Wednesday, and it's got to get into our money, into our mind, into our marriage, into our kids, into our place of employment. It's, it's got to permeate all those areas, and let's really display the kingdom of God. With this in mind, it, it gives me insight because of the mixture. It gives me insight as to the generation that I'm trying to reach. Um, a lot of people appreciate, it's not that they don't appreciate God, but they allow both God and the world into their life, not understanding that the Bible says that if you and I love the world or the things of the world, that the love of God is not in us. Now, how many know that's pretty cut and dry? That if we love the world and the things of the world, the love of God is not in us. First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So these three, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they are working um, against me. That's something I have to combat. They want to be at work in my life, but at the same time, as we learned last week, I, if I'm a believer, I also delight in the law of God, in my inner man. So that if I'm saved, I've got this battle going on that there are some God, God things I want, but how many know your flesh also wants some things that's not of God? I'm the only one, y'all holy. My flesh has desires, but my born again spirit also has desires, and they are both fighting for the same turf, and that turf is my head. That's the turf. My, my flesh is sending signals to my head. Um, God is sending signals to my head. And the voice that wins is the one that I feed the most. The desire that loses is the one that I have starved. See, this is where fasting comes in. I think we've turned fasting into something that God never really intended for it to be because fasting is not my attempt to get God to do something on my behalf. Fasting is the peeling back of the flesh, bringing it under management so that the Spirit of God can rise up on the inside of me and I can give my attention to God. And so fasting is about weakening the flesh so that my spirit man can rise up. And a lot of us, we, we fast just because we want, you know, more money or we want uh, to find a wife or a husband. But I'm telling you, the primary reason for fasting is to peel back your flesh so that you can see what God has already made available for you. 
That's what fasting is all about. Now, that's not going to get a lot of claps because I, Karen and I have learned if, you, if, if people come into our office and they got a bunch of problems and we feel that need to tell them the only way this is going to change is by prayer and fasting, guess what? They don't want any more counseling. They don't want to leave and, and push back the plate and peel back the flesh so that God can speak to them. But everybody wants a quick fix. And so a lot of us were experiencing the best of times and the worst of times at the same time because we have mixture. We look at this area of our life and we think that is heading in the right direction. But this area of my life, man, it's, it's not heading in the right direction. And it's happening simultaneously. We normally call it seasons or phases. We call it a lot of things, but oftentimes the reason we have such mixed results is because we have a lot of mixture happening in our life. In Matthew 13, we've read it each week. I'm not going to read it today for the sake of time, verses 24 through 30, but we know that while men slept, the enemy came in and planted or sowed tares there. And so we had wheat and tares growing at the same time. But if you go back in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse number one, that's what I want to read to you. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, you got to check this out. They said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them... It has not been given. Now, I want you to see this. The disciples are hearing Jesus teach the multitudes about um, bringing God's word into your life to fulfillment. But he's teaching them in a parable. And the disciples are confused. And so they come to him and say, why are you talking to them in story mode? Why are you talking to them in a parable? Why, why, why are you talking to them in, in a riddle or a code? Like, why are you speaking to them like that? And, and this is going to be unsettling for some of you, but it's still true. Um, Jesus loves everybody. Can I get an amen? All right. He loves everybody. But he admits that when it comes to his mysteries, specifically mysteries of the kingdom, there is an us and there is a them. See how unsettling that is for everybody. In other words, not everyone is going to receive at the same level. That if you want the kingdom, the kingdom of God and the mysteries of the kingdom, you have to be willing 
to separate yourself from the crowd and get closer. That, that's, that's who receives the kingdom. And we want to talk about, every, you know, Jesus loves everybody, and Jesus does. He loves people out there right now acting a fool. He loves them. But we don't all receive from Jesus at the same level because when it comes to the kingdom of God, it is a pearl of great price. It is a treasure hidden in a field. It is locked up in a mystery, and Jesus doesn't tell the crowd. He tells the 12. He says, for you, it has been given to know, but for them, I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to talk in code. I'm going to talk in a story form. I'm going to give them a parable because they're going to have to want what I'm about to give. They're going to have to want to separate themselves and draw close enough before I share the mysteries of the kingdom with them. And, and so then he shifts. And starting in verse 18 of Matthew 13, he says, Therefore, this is not to the crowd. This is just to the twelve. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he has received, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. And so he tells it in a story to the crowd, but for the 12, he breaks it all the way down because they're not a part of the crowd, they're the inner circle. I want to reiterate, if you want to know uh, the mysteries of the kingdom, if you want God to do more in your life than you've ever seen before, then you've got to be willing to separate yourself from crowds and you got to be willing to draw closer no matter what. Like I'm going to push in close enough so that God is comfortable sharing these mysteries with me. Now when we look at this, we understand all of this ties into sowing and reaping. And there is always a harvest on what I sow. But the key throughout Scripture is that there is, according to Genesis 8.22, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I want you to get this. Um, there is sowing and then there is reaping. The part that we don't like is time. There is seed time, seed time, harvest. The harvest of the harvest is the time in between our sowing and our reaping. Listen, Hebrews 6 and 11 and 12 tells us this, that uh, it says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. 
So I, how am I going to ensure that I receive a harvest on the seeds that I'm planting? It's through faith and patience, both producing the promises of God. How many have ever had God give you a word, and after you got the word, before you saw the result of it, like as soon as you got the word, it got worse before it got better? Because we just read the parable, and then we read where Jesus broke it down, that when the word is sown, who shows up after that? Satan does. Satan always shows up after you've received a, a word from God. And people don't, they don't faint while they're sowing, and we definitely don't faint while we're reaping. We faint while we're waiting. That's when we faint. That's when we normally give up. And, and I just felt like I needed to prophesy over some people right now that you've already, you, you've sowed some good seeds, a lot of them, but you've not seen the harvest of those seeds yet. I want to tell you that those seeds will come back into your life greater than they left your hand. That your due season could be today. Your due season could be tomorrow. It could be Thursday at two o'clock. I don't know, but I want to encourage all those that feel like giving up and feel like fainting. Don't throw in the towel yet because if God said it, if God spoke it, he will perform the word that he's given you even if you find yourself in a fight from the time you sowed the seed from the, till the time you reap the harvest. Somebody needs to be encouraged in that today. See this, this same parable, and I, I, I got to teach this, of the sower sowing the seed is given to us in Matthew, but there's an account in Mark as well. In Mark chapter 4, um, Jesus spends an entire day, uh, Mark documents it, he teaches for an entire day on the different types of ground and how the soil pushes out the seed. Um, and, and he talks about how we can produce a harvest, some 30, some 60, some 100, and he teaches all day long on the principle. Everybody say all day long. All right, he teaches all day long, but in Mark 4, after he teaches all day, starting in verse 35, look at this. It says, on the same day, everybody say on the same day. He taught all day, but on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? And, and I love this line. How is it that you have no faith? And, and it says, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Um, this almost sounds like a mom or a dad having a conversation with their kids. How many times do I have to tell you? That, that is the, that's the spirit Jesus is in here. He's not real happy. 
I spent all day long teaching you that when I give a word, Satan's going to come immediately to challenge what I've spoken to you. I'm, I'm down here laying on a pillow asleep because I fully expected that when I gave the word that we're going to the other side, I expected the enemy to show up. I expected some resistance. But how long, how many times do I got to tell you? See, the best teachers don't just teach, they demonstrate. Jesus taught all day long, and now he's like, now class is over, we're going to go demonstrate it. We're going to the other side. And he says to them in the midst of the storm, when they think they're going to die, how is it that you have no faith? See, notice the storm showed up after the word was given, but before they arrived. The storm shows up between receiving the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. See, wind only blows, y'all got to catch this, wind only blows in your face when you are moving forward. Some of y'all don't ever have any struggle. It's because you ain't doing nothing. As long as I'm just hanging out and I'm not worried about pushing forward, I'll probably not find any resistance in my life. Now, I want to shift gears because I wanted to bring today to Victory Sunday, but I, I need everybody to know freedom is a process. Freedom is a process. The Word will work in you, but some of us need to learn how to work the Word. It, and it's not always immediate. Um, our flesh produces frustrations. Our flesh produces temptation. It produces a lot of things that work against us, but the grace of God will always show up when we are obedient to the word. Legally, when I get saved, I am now, I'm free at the point of salvation. But how many know, my spirit is free, that's my experience spiritually, but my soul is being saved. Are you with me? In other words, my soul needs a little work. It's not your spirit that needs the work. It's your soul that needs the work. Um, and you've got to get to a place, if you want a new level in God and a new level of freedom, and you're tired of fighting the same devil, the same weakness, and the same struggle, you've got to reach a place where you're, you're so tired of the old season that you're willing to leave it behind. And some of us say we want freedom, but the truth is, we're not sick of where we are yet. You got to decide. We, we can talk about living in freedom instead of living twisted once we've decided, I, I'm not going to feel like a failure anymore. I'm not going to live depressed anymore. I'm not going to allow anxiety, anxiety to have its way in me anymore. I'm not going to stay addicted any longer. I'm tired of this season. I'm ready to move into the new season God has for me. So that pattern that has existed in your life, that generational curse that has been there, that has plagued you and your family for years, 
years in the name of Jesus, I pray that it break in the name of Jesus. Strongholds be broken in the name of Jesus. Get a revelation today that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that I am tired of my old season and I'm going to step into my new season. But you got to decide that. Freedom is a process that has to be walked out. And some of us need to do some work on putting our spiritual house in order. In 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants us to experience him on a new level, but John says that we will experience that as our soul prospers. That's a small verse, but gives us an indicator as to why many of us are not prospering in our lives. Um, We've covered this. We are body, soul, and spirit. We're one house with three bedrooms. Listen, and, and God wants me to serve him with my body, with my soul, and with my spirit. Catch this. When a man's body is in proper relationship with God, he's healthy. When a man's soul is in proper relationship with God, get this, he's happy. When his spirit is in relationship with God, he's holy. So when I serve God with my body, I'm healthy. When I serve God with my soul, I'm happy. And when I serve God with my spirit, I become holy. And when I'm serving God with all three, then I start experiencing the kingdom. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And a lot of us, the reason we're struggling and the reason we come to church and praise God and some of us even speak in tongues, but we go home miserable is because we're sick in our soul. We've got mixture in our soul. And I've taught in this series that iniquity attaches itself to the soul. And this is where we struggle. This is why we get twisted. This is why Jesus came, because what was twisted in Adam was unraveled in Christ. And so I've got to begin prospering. Your spirit's good. Hit your neighbor and tell him your spirit's good. But your soul's struggling. That's where we struggle. We struggle in our soul. And so as long as, as circumstances are still controlling, because your soul is your emotions, your will, your passions, your experience. As as long as circumstances are controlling my emotional well-being, I promise you the devil will have a field day with you. If you don't know what you're going to do with your life, the devil will find something to do with it. And a lot of us just haven't made the decision that we're going to prosper in our soul. And so I want to answer a question, and I'm going to try to do this quickly. How do I know if my soul is actually prospering? How do I know if it's prospering? Number one, the soul that prospers 
operates in self-authority. I want you to get this. God has given you authority over your being. Self-authority over it. It means that your life and the quality of your life is not determined by the circumstances you're going through, but it's determined by a decision that you've made. That my emotional well-being is not in the hands of other people. The expectations of another person do not determine how I react to life's events, which means that no one, if I'm happy in my soul and my soul is not sick and I'm operating in self-authority, then no one can make me mad because I'm in charge of my own soul. I lost half y'all right now because you're fighting on the way to church. You're mad at your husband right now. You know why? You lack self-authority. It doesn't mean that we don't have moments of anger, but some of y'all been mad for 20 years. You've had a storm brewing on the inside for 20 years, and it's because you're not operating with your soul prospering. It means that no one can drive me crazy because I've taken the keys out of their hands, and the keys are in my hands. I get to determine if I'm going to be happy and smile and bless people. I don't, oh my, happy Mother's Day. When you're prosperous in your soul, you have the ability to make a decision and stick with it. You have self-authority. Number two, how do I know if my soul's prospering? The soul that prospers reacts to life situations in a realistic manner. How many of you have ever been dramatic? Come on, be honest today. How many of you have ever overreacted? We've all been there, right? Listen, if you're not in charge of yourself, if your soul is not prospering, the littlest thing will set you off. But if you're in control of your soul, a temporary problem will not cause you to act in a drastic manner. If you're driving down the road and your car breaks down and you're one of those people that you get out of it and you kick the car and you punch the car and you cuss and you, you, you rant and rave because the car, as if the car set out that day to ruin your entire day. It, it's not even a real thing, y'all. It's metal. But you out there cussing it, kicking dents in it, this stupid car. No, you're sick in your soul. Take a deep breath. Realize what's happening. Be realistic in that moment. The next thing, how do I know if my soul is prospering? The soul that prospers has the ability to relate to a variety of people. This one's tough. If the only people you can get along with are the people that talk like you, think like you, have a philosophy for their life exactly like yours, in the same race, in the same economic level, if you can only relate to people that are just like you, it's an indicator that you might be sick in your soul because Jesus was so big on the inside that he could easily relate to anyone and he could do it without therapy or nerve pills. He was so big in here that he could relate to a ton of people out here. 
because he had his soul in the right place. The more oppressed you become in your soul, the more you lose the ability to connect with other people, which means that your circle becomes smaller and smaller and smaller to the point that they ain't nobody good enough to be around you, but I need you to know if that's the way your life is going, I promise you all 150 of those people are not the problem. There is something going on in your soul There's something going on in your soul that doesn't have the ability to connect with other people. And the last one, how do I know if if my soul is not prospering? A soul that prospers responds properly to godly authority without feeling threatened. There will always be authority. Some of y'all hate that, but there's authority in government. There's authority in school systems. There's authority in cities, and God has designed authority to lead you to success. See, when people have a problem all their life with authority, it's because there's something wrong on the inside of them. Those that fight authority, watch this, are insecure and confused. They are disturbed in their own lives, and that disturbance in them manifests through rebellion. Their own soul is in turmoil, and that's why they act and fight against authority. A soul that prospers realizes that every person has a different place and a different measure of authority. If someone in authority over you, if they're over you in one place, if you're secure and your soul is prospering, it, then you already know that doesn't make them smarter, doesn't make them more spiritual, doesn't make them more valuable to God. It simply means that everyone has a function. And a prosperous soul, they know who they are, they know where they're going, so they're able to respond to authority without feeling smaller themselves. See, we've identified, as the worship team comes back, we've identified iniquity. And and the soul, listen to me, the soul is an indicator. If it's all out of whack and you're not happy and you've got this and that all going on in the soul, it's an indicator that you've got something brewing underneath the surface that you've not been able to get freedom over. And it manifests in a variety of ways. And so I didn't want this series to end with us just knowing that we got a problem because the truth is most of you showed up knowing you got a problem. But I believe that today, I I believe we've been given enough word over the last four weeks that we should be able to live and walk in freedom. And I believe that the freedom is twofold. Sometimes... um, The freedom is I need an encounter with God. Like that's the first part of it. I just need the Holy Spirit to break something. I just need him to lift something, destroy something. I just need that moment where the Holy Spirit annihilates every trace of the enemy in my soul. But here's what I've learned as a pastor because I've laid hands on people and 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 saw God move, and I saw chains lifted, sometimes demons cast out, and even watched people 
walk in it for a little while only to return back to it. Sometimes we get free, but we don't live enough by the word to maintain our freedom. So we vacillate between, well, I'm going to do what God has told me to do, but then we go over here and do what we want to do. And then we reproduce the mixture all over again. And so if we really want to be free, number one, watch this, you must want to be free. You got to want it. You may have to get a little desperate. Why? Because a desperate mentality always produces answers in our life. And the Holy Spirit, check this out, He respects your will. Which means He ain't going to make me live free. He's not going to make me do it, church. There are some things I've got to do to live in freedom. One, I've got to really want it. Secondly, I've got to let go. After you yield to God, a lot of times he's going to require, and this is where we struggle, he's going to require that you let go of whatever happened that made your soul sick. Whether it was your own doings, some of you, we've covered it. It wasn't even your own doings. It's the cards you were dealt. It was decisions others made for you that produced the pain. But when I want to be free and I yield to God, He's going to require me to let go of what's been holding me hostage. And sometimes that means I'm going to let go of the person who hurt me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of the bitterness. I'm going to let go of the unforgiveness. I'm going to let go of what happened. I'm going to let go of this because I can't hold that and be free. It's never going to happen. In, in, in Africa, they, they, would, they would set these tra traps for uh, chimpanzees. And killing a, a monkey in Africa is no different than killing a cow in America. They, they do it for food. Um, but for this one tribe, they could not figure out how to catch the chimps. They would set the, tra the traps and they would place the bait, but the, 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 the monkeys were so quick that they could come in, snag the bait, and get out before the door closed. Then the tribe, they placed the bait in the middle of the trap, get a little further in there, and they thought if we can get it in the middle of the trap, then it'll give it the door enough time to shut and keep them locked in, only to find out that wasn't good enough either. Then someone finally had a great idea. It was a long shot, but they felt like it was a great idea. They built the traps the same as before, except this time they hid the bait in a box that had been bolted to the ground. Through an opening just large enough for the chimp to get his hand through, the bait would glisten. And here was the secret. The opening of the box was too small for the chimp to pull both his hand and the bait out at the same time. In other words, he would have to let go of the bait in order to get away. And sure enough, the trap worked. The chimps would venture into the trap, check out the box, 
But once they got in there and put their hand into the box and got a hold of the bait, they wanted the bait so bad, they would not let go, thus the trap door shutting, and now they had met their demise. And it's amazing. Um, for many of us, the thing that has impacted your soul, it's, it's brought pain into your life, heartache into your life. And what you don't understand is holding on to that means that I'm going to stay in bondage. And some of us, we want to hold on to it and be free. But just like the chimps, they had to decide, do I want to hold on to the bait and die, or do I, am I willing to let go of the bait so that I can run free? Listen, you've got to decide, I'm letting go of whatever it is, whatever it happened, whoever happened, I'm going to let it go so that I can step into the fullness of what God has called me to do. Go ahead and stand with me. i got one more thing with you. One more thing. I got to let go in the last one. I've got to repent. You say, repent? I'm struggling. In my, why would I need to repent, Pastor? Because when we're holding on to stuff and we're, we're sick in our soul, it means that we're ignoring the Holy Spirit many times. Church people are notorious for I'm going to hold on to this, I'm going to keep this, I'm not letting go of this, but I'm going to serve the Lord. All the while not understanding that you're making a conscious decision to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, when your spirit is in control and making decisions for you, it brings your soul into peace. That's what it does. It brings your soul into peace. Your spirit is equipped, but we've got, listen, your soul was never designed to make decisions for you. Your spirit is what should be driving your decision making. And so I want you right there where you are, if you would, at least if you'd say, Pastor, this series has been for me and I realize there are some things that I really, I, I, I've identified them, but it's time to let go of it. It's time to allow God to bring me to that place of freedom. If, if that's you, just lift both hands in the air right now. I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna pray over you. I, I, I believe there's an anointing in this place that there are some strongholds about to be broken. Now listen, when, when, when you make this decision to let it go, it's going to be a little bit painful because your soul has enjoyed hanging on to it. But you got to be willing. It may be painful, but the pain's going to be worth it. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against every hindrance, every hurt, every abuse, every attack, every ungodly allegiance that has been assigned to the people of God. And Father, we break every evil word that has been spoken against your people. We come against, God, the spirits that have entangled your people. And God, we, we declare by the authority of Jesus, God, that the effects of every threat, every lie, every deceit, 
against your people is canceled in the name of Jesus. God, we reverse the curse and we speak righteousness and joy and peace will abundantly reign in every single heart. We ask that you would restore what the enemy has stolen from this life. And I ask that you fill every void in their life according to your plan and your destiny. That in the name of Jesus, every nervous condition is broken. Every fear is gone. Every suicidal thought is destroyed. That by the blood of Jesus, we tear down and we reverse the effects of every tormenting, harassing spirit that has come against your people. And God, we break it in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are causing us to triumph. You are leading us to victory. We won't be the same in the name of Jesus. We will succeed. We will be blessed. We will pass down a blessing. And God, we thank you for everything that you are healing, for every stronghold that is being broken, and we declare it and decree it in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, come on, shout amen in this place. Come on, shout amen. My goodness. I'm going to open up this altar. Listen, I'm going to open up this altar. I'm going to, uh, can I pass this stuff to you, Pastor Jay, so I don't have to carry it all down. I just feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this place. As the worship team's getting ready, if you feel that you need to respond, Listen, if you respond, I'm praying with you. I feel an anointing in this. I know it's Sunday morning. I know it's Mother's Day. But I would much rather you leave here free than to make sure you have the perfect dinner. So, worship team, come. Let's go. Let's do this. If you need prayer, come. Come. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting BethesdaChurch.tv give. We will catch you on the next episode.